Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Listening to Fox Sports Radio. Well, in a world of questions, we've got answers. In a world of problems, we've got solutions. And off we go. Tonight, we are so packed, we're going to forego decorum and jump right in. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. Yes, this is straight out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. And as they say in Bob Dylan, Minnesota, it's going to be lit. Yes, the times they are changing, especially in the world of golf. At the bottom of the hour, I'll be giving an encore presentation. I got so much response from my take on LIV and the uh, threat to the PGA and drawing historical perspective. We're going to do it again, and I've even got some updates as to how the PGA reacted since last week. We've got we've got more news. And before I get started, uh, I want to welcome in Danny Gradio. Danny, crack the mic. You there, buddy? I am. I'm tweeting, but I'm here. Welcome, Danny. I've done like 200-plus straight out of Vegas shows. I believe this is your first one. Good to have you aboard there, buddy. What is it, like sweeps week or something? What do we got going here? (laughs) It is called a 10-hour shift because we had to shuffle around some producers this weekend. You are the man. Good good to have you, Danny. All right. I will uh, talk to Danny a little bit later. Look, uh, before I get to... Bottom of the hour, we're going to get to LIV. We had the NBA draft uh, Thursday night, and we're going to talk about that a lot tonight. But again, very quickly, just so you all know, uh, three weeks ago, I started reporting heavily on LIV. And since then, now eight of the top 40 of the PGA-ranked players have defected. Uh, This is no longer a, a, a theoretical threat to the PGA. 
It is legitimate. It's real. Uh, there's another tournament next week in Portland. We'll talk about that. Let's face it. The LIV Golf Series with their massive purses, $255 million in prize money to be awarded over the eight events. Well, they've now attracted eight top 50 golfers, top 40 golfers, Johnson, Kepka, Louis Oosthuizen, Bryson DeChambeau. Hear that? Remember two years ago, DeChambeau and Kepka? They were, you know, they were Ike and Tina Turner for crying out loud. Kevin Na, Reed, Taylor Gooch. By the way, Kepka's brother, Chase, he already played on the uh, LIV tour last uh, two weeks ago. So hold that thought. We're going to come back to that. Pretty fun, entertaining, interesting NBA draft Thursday night. And we're going to have, by the way, we'll be having uh, Mark Medina on in about 15 minutes to talk about that, among other NBA things, because the hot stove is is, uh, heating up, as it were, the hot stove version in the NBA. And by the way, in case you missed it, um, when Duke's Paolo Bancaro and Gonzaga's Chet Holmgren and Auburn's Jabari Smith ended up going 1-2-3 in Thursday's NBA draft, it marked the first time in six years that freshmen went with the first three picks. The last time it happened, the Sixers selected Markel Fultz, the Lakers' Lonzo Ball, and the Celtics' Jason Tatum. Those meatloaf would say one out of three ain't bad. Actually, that wasn't meatloaf. He said two out of three. You know, Lonzo Ball's been okay. Mark Hill Fultz, we'll see. But uh, clearly, Jason Tatum uh, has been a stud, I think. He's only 24, and look, he had a, I know he had a rough finals, but he's got a bright future. But there's been, you know, there were a lot of noteworthy things that took place Thursday night. The biggest surprise, obviously, is all, the, you know, the week heading up, it was all indicating and there were brewing uncertainty around the number one pick. Could Duke's Paolo Bancaro really go number one over a full month of speculation on whether or not it would be Jabari Smith, who seemed to be the likely choice as well as the experts, I, I use the term expert loosely, uh, predicted, uh, or maybe Chet Holmgren. I never thought it would be Holmgren, uh, number one. But at the end of the day, when they write the history books, it will show that Paulo Bancaro went number one, even though the magic never worked him out or anything. But I think they got a good one there. Top marks, the Houston Rockets held the number three pick in the draft, but wound up with John Hollinger's top-rated player for Jabari Smith Jr. And I would say, you know, they're already comparing him to Rashard Lewis, but a much better defensive player. So there's no question, I believe, Jabari Smith will enter with a chip on his shoulder. He'll be a terrific player for Houston. They got some nice things happening there. Got to give it up to my beloved Detroit Pistons. My goodness gracious. What a haul. First, they get Jaden Ivey out of Purdue. Clearly the best guard in the draft with the fifth pick. And for my money, I like what he could be. He could be another uh, Dwayne Wade-type player. He's got that kind of ability. Then the Pistons traded Milwaukee's 2025 first-round pick to the Knicks for Kemba Walker and the 13th pick, Jalen Duran. Here's another guy who's a big man with a huge upside. So now the Pistons have this fantastic core. And, uh, you know, the long and the short of it is they get two guys that are going to step on the floor immediately and have an impact uh, for the Pistons. Uh, By the way, you know, it's always a fashion show at the NBA draft. You know, the guys bring out their formal where everybody looks very dapper. Um, And (laughs) I I think I got to give a nod to Chet Holmgren, who pulled off the best formal and the best suit. And, it, it, you know, he's got a big, tall, odd frame. 
He's like seven one one ninety, but he made it work, right? Uh, and I, I will tell you, Paulo Bancara looked pretty cool too. He he wore a purple suit. Um, he wasn't trying to emulate Barney or anything, but he was basically it was you know giving an homage to former team colors and teams he he played with, and uh, he uh, he looked he looked good too. Uh, and then of course Kevin Durant he crashed draft day because uh, you got a bunch of knuckleheads. Uh, reporting that Kevin Durant was monitoring the situation around the stalemate with Kyrie Irving. I want to talk about this later in the show. This dominated a lot of draft talk. He's considering options for his own future. And so if if Kyrie Irving doesn't get the contract he's looking for, you know, gee, why wouldn't you want to sign him? He only missed 123 games the last three years. He played a whole 29 games, shows up when he feels like it, doesn't call the coach. Yeah, what a great guy. Um, I think it's pretty clear New Jersey doesn't – doesn't care if he opts back in. They'll, they're going to move on without him. They can get swept in the first round with him or swept without him. But keep an eye on this story, and we'll talk about this with uh, with uh, Mark Medini here uh, in a minute. But if if Kyrie does not opt in, he's it's in a player's choice, and he ends up going somewhere. Wouldn't it be a miracle if he went to the Lakers and took a mid level exception instead of making thirty six million? He makes six million. Stranger things have happened. I can't name them, but you never know. So that's a story to watch, and that was dominating the draft. By the way, it's never too early to look ahead. They're already projecting next year's first-year pick. A kid by the his name is Victor Mbamayama. He's like seven foot four. He's eighteen years old. And he's supposed to be some kind of phenom. But look, the truth of the matter is, is that there were some good-looking landing rookie spots. Jabari Smith in Houston, Chet Holmgren in Oklahoma City. I say they're one, two in terms of who are perfectly fit for their new teams. For starters, Orlando's president of uh, basketball operations, I think he pulled off one of the biggest draft night surprises that I can remember in recent memory when he picked Paula Bancaro with the number one pick. And uh, that kind of took all the alleged expert you know, predictions and put them in the trash. And that, you know, that's, uh, that's how these work, right? And uh, I, I think Chet Holmgren was a, a grand slam, too. How's that for mixing metaphors? But back to Jabari Smith, who I think is still he could have easily been number one. Houston gets another lottery pick. This is going to be a seamless compliment to Alperin Sanguin. He's got all kind of pick and pop spacing. He's going to be a huge defensive anchor uh, in the front court for the Rockets. I'm talking about Jabari Smith now. He does have some room to grow, uh, creating his own shot off the dribble, and he's not the great world's greatest back-to-the-basket scorer. Uh, and But, I, you know, you put him alongside Jalen Green, and Houston's got some real talent on the floor. And you, if you recall last year, the Rockets bypassed Evan Mobley, opting to add Jalen Green because he's a tremendous scoring threat. But I think Smith, uh, Jabari uh, Smith, should bring some of Mobley's defensive value. But with much more of an offensive upside, there's clearly, I, I believe, uh, Jabari Smith is clearly a future all-star. And uh, no doubt about it, uh, the first three, I would say the first three picks, all Holmgren, you know, Smith, and, and then, of course, Paula Bancaro, I think they're going to really provide almost immediate dividends. Bancaro and Jabari Smith seem completely like natural fits in their, you know, landing spots and when you set aside the conversation regarding Holmgren's contribution uh to you know where he where he wasn't at you know Gonzaga etc cetera, etc cetera, 
Holmgren is a guy I think that's very underrated. I know everybody wants him to gain weight. He's probably going to have to, but he's not going to play in the low post anyway. He's got a lot better defensive versatility than people realize. He's got historic length. He can shoot threes. And, you know, when you look at a guy like Sam Presti and, and his blueprint of how he likes to build rosters, uh, Holmgren has got some teammates that I believe will help him help him ratchet up his offensive learning curve so he, he, he can become a, a very serviceable offensive player in the NBA. You know, Shea Gilgis-Alexander is one of the league's most effective guards. Driving to the rim, Josh Giddy. he's a 10-year veteran. He's going to show Holmgren the roops. I think Holmgren should get a lot of points off pick-and-pop triples. Oklahoma City's guards, I believe, will reward Holmgren as he gets it. Holmgren's a very good lane runner, too, by the way. If you've seen him play in person... He's a lot better than people think. Don't let that face, that baby face, fool you. He's a, he's, a, he's a good player. And, you know, he'll have to develop defensively, but I believe he will. Uh, he is willing to play defense. He can play defense. He'll block shots. Just because he's, you know, built like a blood donor right now. And don't expect him to have to play down low and bang with the big uglies. He's not going to do that. He doesn't need to do that. In this man's NBA, he'll create space out on the perimeter. He can shoot threes. He's the type of prospect you rarely see, you've never really seen before. And I think, you know, Oklahoma City's basically starting over, but this is a great opportunity for all around. One other player I want to get to, I talked about my Pistons earlier, Jaden Ivey. You know, uh, although Cade Cunningham is locked in as Detroit's leading man of the future, so to speak, you, when you look at Cade Cunningham and Jaden Ivey together, that could make for a really great offensive duo. Because Ivy will provide the Pistons with some much-needed downhill burst, but he's also going to show a real display of athleticism, I believe, without the burden of having to have all the players run through him like he did at Purdue. Now, it's a, it's a real credit to Cade Cunningham that the Pistons feel so comfortable sliding Ivy into the backcourt because Cunningham proved in his rookie year he's a very mature player. All right, He's a lead initiator. He was consistently lauded for his demeanor and his focus and his maturity on the court. And this this has allowed Cunningham has really become sort of the anchor that Detroit can rebuild around. Now you add Jaden Ivey, that can only help launch things quite a bit. I think those three players, Jabari Smith, Paula Bancaro, Chet Holmgren, and a wink and a nod to Jaden Ivey, they'll form the foundation, what I think will be, a lot of fun for these teams trying to climb back up into the you know competitive nature of NBA of the NBA and perhaps find their way uh, into the playoffs. Coming up, we're going to big back a gentleman who's been a fixture. He's our NBA guru, Mark Medina. Uh, you hear him all around the network. The finals are over, the draft's over, but there's a lot of NBA business to get to, and we'll talk about it all with Mark. Coming up, I'm Bernie Frado. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. This is the pregame show you always wanted, so don't go away. You're listening to Straight Out of Vegas. Straight Out of Vegas! The great Bernie Frado, folks. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Hey, I'm Doug Gottlieb. The podcast is called All Ball. We usually talk all basketball all the time, but it's more about the stories about what made these people love their sport and all the interesting interactions along the way. We talk to coaches. We talk to players. We tell you stories. 
You download it. You listen to it. I think you'll like it. Listen to All Ball with Doug Gottlieb on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. On a summer night in Paris, American artist Lee Krasner is drifting off to sleep when the phone rings. On the line, news that her husband, Jackson, is dead. Jackson, as in the painter Jackson Pollock. He might, to this day, be the most mythologized figure in American art. But how much of the story that we've been told about him is just that, a myth? On Death of an Artist, season two, Krasner and Pollock, the story about how the art world changed forever and the story of the artist who reset the market for American abstract painting. Just maybe not the one you're thinking of. Listen to Death of an Artist, Krasner and Pollock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Now we're back on Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios at this time, let's welcome in a gentleman who's a fixture here, the Fox Sports Radio family, NBA writer for NBA.com, among other modalities, NBA guru Mark Medina. Mark, how are you, buddy? Bernie, you know the answer. I'm good because I'm talking to you, my man. Right back at you. Hey, we got a lot to get to. Let's dive right in. Before I get to the draft, since we last talked, it looked like the Indiana Pacers politely declined to be the Lakers' saving grace, turning down a deal to get Russell Westbrook. What can you tell us about that? Well, I think, look, the the Lakers have been trying to deal with Russell Westbrook, not just to the Indiana Pacers and, uh, you know, in the deal that would have included Malcolm Brogdon as a centerpiece. 
But, you know, they've been trying to gauge the entire league. And, frankly, there's not really a market for them. Uh, now, I will say this. The Lakers at this point have been very adamant. They don't want to attach their 2027 first-round pick. There's kind of a thinking within the front office that as much as they want to be able to improve – you know, uh, next season's roster, uh, because last season was a disaster with not even making the playoffs, they don't want to undercut their future flexibility. Um, but I think it comes, I think it has to get to the point that while, you know, you don't want to just accept any possible deal, you have to have this mindset as long as you have LeBron James on your team, there technically is a championship window, and you kind of have to maximize that. But, yeah, uh, they want to get Malcolm Brogdon, and uh, the Indiana Pacers said no thanks. Right. I heard they even threw in Taylor Horton Tucker and some draft picks. So, all right, good stuff, uh, Mark. Now let's move on to another uh, uh, dance sensation sweep in the nation, Kyrie Irving. What a nice guy. <laughs> he creates a list of teams – that he'd like the Nets to consider working on a side and trade, including the Lakers, Clippers, Knicks, Heat, Mavericks, Sixers. First of all, next Wednesday, I believe, or Thursday is D-Day, Mark. Would you be more surprised if Kyrie opts in for one more year with the Nets or passes? You know, I, I don't think anything surprises me with Kyrie Irving because you would think that there's no way in hell that he would leave the Nets, even if he can't agree to an extension because, look, these teams that are on his destination list, he would have to take a significant pay cut. The Clippers don't have any cap space. Neither do the Lakers. The Lakers have a mid-level exception. That's $6 million. And last right. time I checked, that's a lot less than $30 million plus as you would have in his player option as well as any extension. But, you know, I know uh, because I was at the Clippers draft headquarters uh, Thursday, the Clippers aren't entertaining that at all. I asked uh, Lawrence Frank in general terms because they can't speak specifics because of the tampering stuff. But I asked him in general terms, hey, when you're looking at trade possibilities or free agent signings this uh, upcoming offseason, you know, how much do you value of uh, availability history and leadership qualities in your player evaluations? And he went in a three to three and a half minute monologue mentioning how uh, he takes those things very seriously, and he doesn't want to disrupt the locker room. He cares about basketball character and how you know they're more about uh, having leadership with their work ethic than their words. And those are things that Kyrie Irving has not checked the box off. So I think in the Clippers' case, they're bullish on let's run it back, let's have continuity. They're uh, also optimistic that Kawhi Leonard's going to be fully healthy. So you can scratch the Clippers off the list. Uh, the Lakers, maybe there's an avenue with that because they feel like, hey, Russell Westbrook's a hot mess. LeBron James and Kyrie Irving had won a championship together. But I don't even think that's going to happen. I think the bottom line is this, Bernie. Kyrie Irving's going to be in a Nets uniform next season, not because the Nets want him, but I think that they don't want to alienate Kevin Durant. So I think that they're going to agree to some sort of extension, but mm. then it's going to be under the guise that, hey, we're going to flip him in a trade later on next season but we don't want to do anything right now because then Kevin Durant will want to be a want to tra get a trade as well and if that happens the Nets don't have any sort of uh, basketball talent on their team so it, you, you laid everything out perfectly if if Irving does opt back in he'll get 36.9 million next season he'll be an unrestricted uh, free agent in July 2023 if he opts out he's an unrestricted free agent right away 
and then he could seek a new deal, including with the Nets. You said something. I almost threw up my throat. You think the Nets would actually consider extending him? Well, I think they would consider extending him, but maybe not to the full length, right? Right. Um, right. And again, it's not under the guise for normal extension of, oh, we want to keep this guy long term. I think it's about, hey, you have a guy under contract and you can still flip him for a mass set later. I think right now the Nets are operating in a position of weakness because as much as they've had misgivings with Kyrie because of his checkered availability last year in regards to the vaccine mandate and just his overall leadership. Uh, They also know that Kevin Durant, who is their other star player, a model of consistency, cares about having Kyrie Irving on the team. So they're kind of in this catch-22, and they want to thread the needle of, you know, placating from a pragmatic standpoint uh, enough so that they actually have a functional basketball organization. But you know, not saddling down with Kyrie long-term because they've known him these last three years. He's frankly unreliable. Talking with Mark Medina. Mark, one last thing before I get to the draft. Uh, what percentage chance do you give, and I, 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 don't, I think it's greater than zero, that Irie, uh, Kyrie says, what the heck, and accepts a mid-level exception with the Lakers at $6.3 million, leaves $30 million on the table. Now, why do I say that's possible? Because he left probably $20 million on the table the last couple of years by not playing due to the vaccine. What percentage chance do you give that happens and he ends up a Lakers in mid-level exception? Yeah, I, I give it a 10% chance okay. only because what you said, Kyrie's been willing to lose money before, and he's very unpredictable, and he's willing to do things just to make a point. But it really doesn't make sense if he were to do that because he's protesting – the Brooklyn Nets' refusal to give him an extension, which would give him more money, right? So, like, why would he, you know, cut off his nose to spite his face? But you know what? Kyrie Irving has done a lot of things that don't make sense in the last few years. I want to put it past him, but at the same time, I'm looking at this last week of news basically as a smokescreen and Kyrie trying to exert some leverage. And I think that the Nets are frankly going to call their bluff and the marketplace is going to call their bluff. He can have a wish list of teams that he wants to play, but those teams don't want him on uh, in a uniform for that kind of price. So I think right. the market will kind of take care of itself. million percent. Hey, he wished to go to Cleveland. He wished to go to Boston. He wished to go to Brooklyn. None of those seem to work out. Everywhere he wishes he goes, he wants to leave. All right, let's get to the draft. What, was your big, what were your biggest takeaways from Thursday night, Mark? Well, uh, I think the number one thing is, you know, I thought the, uh, you know, the Orlando Magic with their number three pick, I thought they were going to take Shabari Smith Jr. He was projected to be number one. You know, they went uh, a different direction with getting Paolo Bancaro. I don't think it was necessarily a bad move. I think that Bancaro is very NBA ready. And, you know, I think that he can fit in with their stable of young players with Jalen Suggs and Cole Anthony and, Markel Fultz, uh, you go down the line with Wendell Carter and Franz Wagner, et cetera, et cetera. But I was just struck that they didn't even bring him in for a workout. So I think yes. it's going to be a good fit, but it just didn't seem to make sense that he didn't come in for a workout. But it's all good. The other the other part of the, that stuck out to me were two things. One, the Sacramento Kings. I was surprised that they went with Keegan Murray. I thought that they were going to go with Jaden Ivey. I know that Jaden Ivey 
may have a similar skill set to the Aaron Fox, but it's the old adage of the NBA draft. You draft the best player available, figure everything out later. Keegan Murray's kind of seen as more of a development player. You know, Monty McNair, the Kings GM, is bullish and saying, hey, they think that he has a high ceiling, but the reality is Jay Ivey is a better player. And the Kings are trying to be in win-now mode with trying to get to the playoffs for the first time in 2006, especially with hiring Mike Brown from Golden State. So we'll see if this is just another recipe of the Kings, uh, you know, having uh, regrettable draft picks or not. But who knows? The other the other thing that stuck out to me was just the Knicks. I mean, they basically made a million trades uh, on draft night. Um, and it, it was, you know, under the guise that they want to have financial flexibility you know, maybe uh, this upcoming off season with trying to get some free agency, big big free agency moves. But I think the bigger thing is in future off seasons. But I can't help but feel skeptical about the Knicks because they've always been a hot mess the past two decades. That I think right now, you know, they were only two years removed from making the playoffs. Right, like try to use some young talent to help right the ship instead of just trying to you know think down the line and long term and gut the roster but we'll see what happens mark great stuff as always i wish we had more time let's get you on in july during the summer league thanks so much yeah let's do it thanks so much man as always thanks mark's mark medina nba.com you'll hear him all over the airwaves here at fox sports radio he is our nba guru coming up an encore from my presentation last week having to do with the real power and threat, no longer theoretically, that the LIV is to the PGA Tour. But first, let's go to Monty Bolaños for the latest. Bernie, how are ya? Doing great, man. Let's get some scores. Oh, it was an exciting night. Lots happened in Major League Baseball. Let's start with the Astros. It pains me to say it, but they threw a combined no-hitter against the Yankees for the first time in 19 years. They shut down the best team in baseball 3-0. This was actually the third no-hitter in the league this year, and it was the Astros' 14th hitter in history. The first since Justin Verlander threw a no-hitter in 2019 against Toronto. Now the Phillies beat the Padres, but it wasn't all gravy for the Phillies. Unfortunately, Bryce Harper has a broken left thumb after being hit by a 97 mile per hour fastball by Blake Snell in the fourth inning against the Padres. With this loss, the San Diego is now one full game behind the Dodgers in the National League West. Unfortunately for the Dodgers though, they lost against the Braves tonight. It was an emotional night last night or two nights ago for Freddie Freeman. They ended up beating the Braves, but last night the Braves came out and said not tonight. They beat the Dodgers 5-3. Marcel Ozuna hit a two-run homer in the eighth inning to beat the Dodgers. Kenley Jensen, former Dodger, earned the save with three strikeouts in the ninth inning. Now the Mariners beat the Angels, but Shohei Otani did hit a 462-foot homer in the loss, his 16th homer of the season, while the Rays walked it off for the second night in a row against the Pirates. The Cardinals scored two in the eighth inning to beat the Cubs 5-3. And a little NFL news. How about Deshaun Watson? Everybody's waiting. What's going to happen? Well, his disciplinary hearing is going to start on Tuesday. So we will see, finally, what will happen with Deshaun Watson. Back to you, Bernie. All right, good stuff, Monty. Thanks so much. Of course. All righty. The LIV is scary. Scarier than you might think. You better pay attention. Since we talked last week, Eight of the top 40 have not affected, including Brooks Kepka. Another tournament in Portland next week. 
Unless you've been living on Mars or you've been living under a rock, you've probably heard of the new LIV golf tournament circuit, okay? There are six tournaments remaining in 2022. One's in the books. It was won by Charles Schwartzel, who earned a cool $4.7 million for three days' work. Now, mind you, in the last four years, Schwartzel had entered 57 tournaments, missed the cut 29 times. For his efforts in that period of time, cumulatively, Schwartzel earned a total of $3 million. $3 million. You heard that right. But in one weekend on the LIV Tour in 54 holes, he eclipsed that number by 60%. And not for nothing. While the LIV, uh, the LIV event was taking place that week in London, at precisely the same time a PGA event was taking place in Canada, won by Rory McIlroy, he collected $1.5 million. Not bad, but that's a third of what Schwartzel got. So what the hell is exactly going on here? In short, the Saudi Arabian royal family has launched a professional golf tour. Why? I believe it's an effort to generate a favorable public relations image. This is a ruling family that needs a makeover. Now, the money that LIV Golf had to guarantee PGA golfers to convince him to bail from the U.S. tour, it's crazy, stupid, impractical, so in many cases completely senseless. The guarantees alone are over $100 million, and in several cases, listen, they're not into this to make money, it's pretty clear, but the royal family is worth about $600 billion, maybe as high as a trillion. That's not the point here. The point is about an image renovation. Make no mistake now. I don't care how tough Jay Monahan talks. They have the full attention. The LIV has the full attention of the PGA. And if past this prologue, my gut tells me eventually, not tomorrow, we're heading toward a day of reckoning, much like the old AFL when they got no respect from the NFL. And this is the story that people wanted to hear again. If you don't think history can repeat itself, trust me. It was a longer shot back then. And so let's go back. I'll tell you what happened in 1964. There was a huge war between the AFL and the NFL. The AFL, they were kind of new, cool kid on the block, wide open offenses, but the NFL, they were their long-standing, stodgy old league, and they gave the AFL no respect. Well, what started to happen was the AFL started to bid and pay big money for NFL talent. See, it'd been going on for three or four years, but it became more extreme because the AFL sued the NFL, and the Houston Oilers had sued the L.A. Rams that required a legally binding final decision because both leagues had signed, they actually signed, Billy Cannon, a Heisman Trophy winner from LSU, and trust me, he was a big dude, but he was a stud. The AFL won the lawsuit. So all of a sudden, now the stakes elevated for college talent, and the sky-high bonuses were through the roof, and in the 60s, these were, you know, this was really big money. You may have heard of Joe Namath. They gave him 400000 in 1965. But so the Atlanta Falcons they didn't want to be outdone. They gave 600000 to a Texas linebacker named Tommy Nobis. The Green Bay Packers ponied up over 700000 to a Texas Tech running back named Donnie Anderson. But the straw that broke the back was when a, a place kicker for the Buffalo Bills named Pete Gogolak, he actually signed with the New York Giants after playing on his option with the Buffalo Bills. But what that happened, what meant that what meant that meant was that they had violated the no tampering code. It had been violated, and this clash sort of reached a pinnacle. Now, here's where the story really takes a turn. Because in April of 66, the AFL had a commissioner named, named Joe Foss, and he just said, I can't take it anymore. My head can't take it. My heart can't take it. He had been trying to be a peacemaker. Forget it. It wasn't going to work. Who enters the fray? 
guy by the name of Al Davis, who was also the GM of the Oakland Raiders back then, the ultimate maverick. He assumed the reins of commissioner of the AFL, and he was a hawk. His presence alone and a a very clever game plan that Al put together would ultimately create history. So what Al Davis did, he organized a war chest, and he urged owners to start collaborating with the stated intent of absolutely raiding NFL stars. See, because the NFL had always bragged of its superiority because one simple reason, they believed they had the best quarterbacks in the world. They had all the star quarterbacks. So Al Davis said, fine, we're going after your quarterbacks. True to form, Al Davis's Raiders, they stole Roman Gabriel from the L.A. Rams. The Houston Oilers got John Brody from the San Francisco 49ers and gave him a five-year deal. Within a week, one week, eight NFL quarterbacks started negotiating with the AFL to see what they could get. But just two months later, in June of 66, the NFL relented. And after Al Davis became commissioner, he got what he really wanted, a merger deal between the AFL and the NFL. And although the actual merger wouldn't consummate until 1971, there were many implementations that took place right away. There was a common draft, which was established in 1967. Interleague uh, preseason uh, games started that fall, and within three years, regular season contests combining the two leagues, games versus the between the AFL and the NFL commenced. And most importantly, the establishment of a championship game between the AFL and NFL was formed. It would be called, <laughs> wait for it, the AFL-NFL championship game. Now, that had kind of a drab ring to it, and there's much conjecture as to how the actual name Super Bowl was born, one popular story has to do with some high-level executive stra- uh, scratching his head at home one weekend while trying to come up with a catchy title when he noticed his son playing with a famous toy from the 60s made by Whammo called the Super Bowl. Google it. You'd bounce it on the ground. It would go up, way up in the air, like uh, 200 feet. Now, I don't, we, we don't really know if this story is true. It could be apocryphal. But the common belief is that some unnamed sports writer just coined the moniker one day out of midair the Super Bowl, and it stuck. But here's the beauty. This is a story that actually had a very happy ending, not a Rusty Harden happy ending, a happy ending. Roman Gabriel never went to the Raiders. He stayed with the Rams. John Brody never left the 49ers, but he he did manage to get a $1 million settlement. And meanwhile, Al Davis, he resigned as commissioner of of the AFL 30 days after the merger, but he got what he wanted. And so what's the reality? The Super Bowl has been an incredible phenomenon in every way. You know, the parties, the office pools, the stories. It's a national. It's a two-week convention for the NFL, and it's like a national holiday. But what's the moral of the story? The unthinkable happened. Why? Because the AFL was seen as goofy and gimmicky, and even Vince Lombardi called it a Mickey Mouse league. Now, fast forward to the present. The LIV looks a little wacky, too. You got the shotgun start, the team competition, the team logos, the leaderboard graphic, and the crazy leaderboard graphic. You stare at that, your eyes start to hurt. You don't know what you're looking at, but we'll get used to it because it's got all kind of weird color schemes and fonts, and you can't even tell what the hell it is, but make no mistake. Make no mistake. Jay Monahan and the PGA are looking over their shoulder. Later in the show, I'm going to go into some of the changes that the PGA has made for 2023 and how they're going to sweeten the pot and some of the things they're going to do. See, the PGA Tour, they're still in real good shape. They're two years into a $7 billion media rights deal with all the networks, CBS, NBC, ESPN, 
So Jay Monahan has seven years to find a way to keep those business associates content while also finding a way to develop new stars, which they're going to have to do. The other thing he might have to do is swallow his pride and let the LIV player tours, let the LIV tour players come back, which in my view, the courts will order him to do if lawsuits start flying. Oh, by the way, the Greg Norman, the CEO of the new LIV tournament circuit, they're offering full legal representation to any LIV player who needs it. In addition, of course, to the automatic guarantee of 120,000 you get just for showing up every week. All right. So look, the real winner here are going to be the fans. Much like the AFL-NFL merger, the fans of professional golf were watching more than people give it credit for. It's an, you know, it's for a lot of folks. I get it. It's a kind of an uneasy sensation when it comes to supporting the LIV Tour because of the money source. But the truth, truth is, it's going to cause the PGA to be better and scramble and get creative to stay on top. And by the way, in case you missed it, when the AFL did merge, they actually won two of the first four Super Bowls including Joe Namath and the upstart Chets when they were a 17-point underdog. LIV's got Phil Mickelson and the rate they're going. You know what? They might be underdogs now, but they might be favorites not too far down the road. A little later in the show, I'm going to talk about the PGA's response. But remember, with its massive purses, the LIV, $255 million they've committed to this year alone in prize money over the eight events. You've got eight of the top 40 golfers. Johnson, Kepka, Louis Eustazen, Bryson DeChambeau, Kevin Na. Reed, Taylor Gooch, right on down the line. They are no longer, the LIV is no longer a theoretical threat. You're going to have to pay attention. Are the Tampa Bay Lightning a threat to blow up Colorado's chances? Coming up, I'll handicap and briefly preview game six between the Avs and Tampa Bay Sunday night. People have asked for some hockey talk. Ask and you shall receive. Hey, this is the Stanley Cup Finals. Lord Stanley's Trophy, the most coveted trophy in all of sports. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. This is the pregame show you always wanted, so don't go away. You're listening to Straight Out of Vegas. Straight Out of Vegas! One of the best in the business, Bernie Fratto. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stan the Queen of Tejano. And stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life— 
We've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s... I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday, I bring you conversations with people who are thinking deeply about work and where it fits into our lives. Like Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella on growth mindsets. The learn-it-all does better than the know-it-all. Or MacArthur Genius winner Angela Duckworth on talent versus grit. Your long-term effort and your long-term commitment are surprisingly important. Each episode delivers pragmatic advice for right now. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now we're back on Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. Before going any further, I want to thank my broadcast team back in Los Angeles, turning all the dials, keeping us glued together. Glued together? Last time I ran a ton from that place. Thanks again to Danny Gradio jumping in tonight. Appreciate you pinch hitting, Danny. Always a pleasure. Monty Bolaños on the updates. And, of course, Chris Perfett, our technical producer. Could not do this fine show presented to a grateful nation without your teamwork all right game six of the stanley cup finals tomorrow night and this was a, a finals that was very much anticipated uh, i hosted ben maller about 10 days ago and eddie garcia and i chopped this up i think it's going to go seven now I, I i don't have a great confidence in it but the bottom line is this both teams have a style and if they play their style they win tampa bay is looking to three-peat they're banged up. They may get Braden Point back. But Colorado knows how to beat Tampa Bay. they got to play fast, create rush opportunities. They've got to be very tight on the details on the breakout, okay? If they don't do that, the Lightning, they've begun to find ways to push back and capitalize. They've gotten used to Colorado's speed over the last 8 to 10 days. But the Avalanche have dominated early in this series through the neutral zone. But that hasn't been the case lately, and Colorado hasn't been generating the same fast starts it used to. If anything, the Avalanche have looked their best in the third period and in the overtime games uh, since, remember, it's been forever since they destroyed Tampa Bay 7-0 in game two. But if Colorado wants to break you know, Tampa Bay's heart and Amelie Arena Sunday night and win the game on the road and fly home with the Stanley Cup, and that'll be one hell of a flight if they do it, they got to get back on the attack, okay? In the last game, I thought they looked a little bit like they were afraid to make mistakes. And and I will tell you, I'm not so sure how their confidence level is. You, the body language coming off that, coming off the ice uh, Friday night to me did not look great. So what's the pack, 
path to victory for the lightning, all right? The recipe for the lightning is to not get into those multi-goal deficits in the first 10 minutes, which largely were caused by untimely penalties. Stay the hell out of the box, Tampa Bay. But in the last three games, Tampa Bay started cooking. And they led after the first period in all three contests. You see what happens. And this is how they want to play. And their captain has said that, Steven Stamkos. And I think Tampa Bay still remembers all too clearly what happened in 2019 when they were prohibitive favorite to win the Cup as a number one seed. And they not only lost to number eight seed, Columbus, but they were swept. If it's a tight game, the Lightning are very comfortable playing in tight games. They're due for a huge stand-on-his-head effort by Andre Vasilevsky, 35-year-old. Check that. Had a 35-save performance the other night in Game 5. Great defense that kept Nathan McKinnon, Gabriel Linskog, Nazem Kadri without a goal in Game 5. But you can only win those tight games if they get enough scoring, and Tampa Bay will need scoring. Confidence check, I would put Darcy Kemper's lower than I would put. He's the goalie for Colorado. Uh, than I would put for, for uh, Andre Vasilevsky. And uh, I would say on a, uh, Vasilevsky's about a 9 out of 10. He, he has the aura to get inside Colorado's head to win that game. He's played the most hockey more than anyone in the last three years. He's a type of guy that can put Tampa Bay on his back. I do expect it to go 7. I haven't bet on the game, but I do expect it to go 7. Should be a great game Sunday night. Colorado at Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay minus 105. All right, that's going to do it for Straight Out of Vegas. Keep it locked right here because we're going to take you up to 3 a.m. Pacific, 6 a.m. Eastern with Fox Sports Sunday, Fox Sports Radio. I'm Bernie Fratto. Keep it locked right here. Straight out of Vegas! Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Every Day Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Every Day Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.